Last week, the Spirit of God in here was amazing. It was amazing, and if you weren't here, you missed it. I'm sorry. Uh, so next time we do that, you want to be here because it's, it's all about worshiping God and, and letting Him just permeate the place and fill us. And at the end of service, we had Kona Ice. I've never had a snowball after, a free snowball after church before, and that was cool. So if you, if you see Kona Ice trucks out anywhere, go, go support them because they gave that to us last week, and that was pretty amazing. So that was all donated to our church last week by Kona Ice, and they're based out of Bel Air. So um, if you see the truck, go buy an Icy or a snow cone or an ice cream because they, they supported us. So our journey so far, I recap briefly, but what is worship? Worship is is giving uh, reverence and adoration. Uh, how do we worship? We give ourselves to God. Romans 12, 1 says, it's, when we give ourselves to God, it's our reasonable act of, it's our, it's our true act of worship. Um, last week we had the worship event, and today we're going to look at the effects of worship in our lives. The effects of worship in our life. For every effect for everything that happens in your life, in nature, there's a cause. For every effect, there's a cause. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Who's heard that before? That's Newton's third law of physics, right? For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So we have measured and we know enough that if we throw a baseball against the wall at a certain velocity, it's going to spring back so many feet based on how it's wound and what's on the inside of it. We've studied things enough with crash test dummies and cars. We know that if you hit a barrier going 30 miles an hour, it's going to do this to the car if it has these crumple zones in it. And if you're in this car, you might live. And if you're in this car, you won't live. We've studied things and reactions to where we know exactly what is going to happen when something happens. So simply put, if I do this, this will happen. It's Newton's law, third law of physics, and it's just the way it is. If I turn on that light switch, there's a light going to come on. If I put the, ignition, the key in the ignition of my car and turn the ignition, my car is going to start. That's just the way it is. Those things will happen. Granted, there are things in those scenarios, in those chains of events, that if, if something's not right in that chain, well, something might not happen. But scenarios have to be in place, but the end result should be consistent. We've learned since, since electricity was put into houses that if we flip a light switch, we're going to get light. If you light a burner on a stove, you're going to get a flame if you have gas. If you have electric, it's going to get hot. We, we know these things because they're consistent. And, and the Bible is full of these types of scenarios. They're called the promises of God. The promises of God. I like to call them conditional promises because a lot, all the promises of God are if-then scenarios. Every single one of God's promises are an if-then scenario. If, again, if I turn a light switch, I should get light. But if I haven't paid my BGE bill, guess what I'm not going to... Now, none of y'all have ever done that before. Nobody. If I don't pay the BGE bill, guess what's not going to happen? The light's not going to come on. If I put my key in my ignition of my car and turn my key, but I haven't put gas in the tank, it's going to crank, but it's not going to start. If I don't have a battery, it's not even going to turn over. It's going to be dead. There are things that have to happen. If I have a battery and everything's working, my car is going to start. If I pay my BGE bill and turn my light switch on and the light bulb's like it should be and the circuit's fine, that's a lot of ifs. <laughs> and we don't, we don't process that stuff. We're just so conditioned to flip a light switch and there are the lights, man. Right. 
We don't think about the conditions or the things that have to be in place for that to happen. We just naturally say, I'm going to turn the light on. I've got to have certain things in place to have the desired result that I want to see. A familiar scripture, well-known examples in Second Chronicles. And I just said, if then, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and, 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 then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. So we, we, we automatically go to the piece of I'm turning the light switch on and I have the light. But we don't think about the, the, the BGE bill, the, the, the service coming into the house and the wires in the wall. And if the switch is operational and if the light bulb is good. We don't think about all those things. We just flip the light switch and we get the light. We, we, want, we, we want to hear from heaven part. We want our sin to be forgiven part. We want our land to be healed part. But we don't think about being called by his name. We don't think about humbling ourselves. We don't always think about praying. And we don't always think about seeking God's face. And we certainly don't always think about turning from our wicked ways. All those things being in place for God to do those things in our life. So that's a classic if-then scenario. And scripture is full of it. So if every action has an opposite reaction... What happens when I worship? And that's where we're going today. What happens when I worship? So let's go back to, to week number two and week number one, and let's look at what we defined worship as. All right? I'm glad you agreed. Worship is showing reverence and adoration for a deity. Reverence offered a divine being or supernatural power. Or the act of expressing such reverence. That's what worship is. Scripture defines, let's go to week two. Scripture defined worship as, therefore, in, in Romans 12, 1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of who he is, in view of his nature, in view of what he's done in your life, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. So I'm offering myself to God. I am giving myself to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's it. Right there. That's, that's worship to God. Is when we offer ourselves to him as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable and pleasing to God. Again, true. And biblical worship is when we submit or give our lives to God. That's what it is. That's true biblical worship. We give our lives to God. And when we give our lives to God, something happens in us. And we begin to live for God. Who, who's, who remembers that transition in your life? You gave your heart to Jesus. You, you gave your life to God. He, supernatural things happen in your life. And, and as time progressed, as you grew in your relationship with Jesus, you, you began to live your life for him. Who remembers that transition? Anybody? A couple of you. Good. A few of you. Awesome. A transition happens in our life where we actually live our lives for God. That means our lives at that point are benefiting the kingdom of God. Our life becomes all about him and not about us. So everything from this point on... that I'm. The rest of this morning, everything I say about 
what happens when we worship is looking through this lens, is looking through the lens of I've given my life to God, and this is, this is what I, I'm to expect. I've given my life to him. I'm a new creature. I've experienced life change. I am living abundant life. So what happens when I do this? First, what I just said about life change and abundant life, those are effects of worship. Those are effects of giving your life to him. And I'm going to give you five things today uh, that, that are going to happen in your life when you actually give God true biblical worship, and that is giving yourself to him. Let's start by saying this. God is not. Everybody say not. not. God is not limited to Newton's third law of physics. He's not limited to Newton's third law of physics, which simply means Newton's third law, we can measure what's going to happen. With God, you can't always measure what is going to happen. So let's, let's put that there. His word promised that when we give, everybody say give. give. And I'm talking about giving ourselves to him. When we give, that he gives back. And how does, how does scripture define him giving back to us? Press down, shaking together, and running over. So we give to God, he gives back in greater measure than we gave to him. So when we give ourselves to God in worship, we can, we can expect something to happen. We may not be able to measure it. We, it may be unexpected. It may be a lot more than what we expect. But we can expect to get something back from God. I was talking to Pastor Andrew in the office this morning. Sometimes God doesn't always give us back in monetary form. But he gives back sometimes in ways that we can't measure. I'm going to get to that in a minute. So he gives back in ways we can't measure. So while Newton's law is nice and it's nice for us to measure and have expectations and all those things, God just typically way exceeds what we expect. Scripture says he's the God of exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Do we have any people that ask a lot of God? Anybody? Who's got a big prayer list? Be honest. Who's got a really big prayer list? Who's got a really good imagination? We got any really good dreamers in here? So imagine your biggest ask. Imagine your biggest dream. And God can do exceeding abundantly above those things. That's a great scripture. That's a great promise. In this particular scripture, the then comes before the if. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. The scripture's not finished there. According to the power that works in us. And where do we get the power? Where do we get the power? Acts 1.8. You'll receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you. We get power through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. If we don't have that, we don't have the exceeding abundantly above. When we give our lives to God and let him do amazing works in us, all these things come together for a better, a more abundant life than what we had before. The promises of God are suddenly released in our life when we give ourselves to him in true worship. So let's look at five things that, that are going to change in your life, five effects that, that are going to be evident in your life when we truly, I'm not talking about coming to church and singing some songs. I'm talking about giving yourself to God. Five things. The first thing is, worship gets our priorities right. 
Worship gets our priorities right. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is, is, a, is effective and it is active in our life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice to God, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. That's King James. NIV says true worship. So you can prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God in your life. True worship, giving ourselves to him, meaning that it's not all about us anymore, gets our priorities right. I asked a few, a few minutes ago if anybody remembers the moment where your life changed, where you weren't living for yourself anymore, but you were living for God. And I got some hands raised in the air. When we worship God, when we're worshiping him, we've given ourselves to him, we get to go to church on Sunday. It's a privilege. When we look through that lens of I am submitted and given to God, we are excited to go to church on Sunday morning. It's not a task. Because I'm, I, I'm in fellowship, I'm communing, I'm coming together to worship God with fellow believers, with like-minded people that have the same goals I do. And that's where we get strength. When we worship, we make time for kingdom stuff. Understand, I didn't say when we worship, we have time for kingdom stuff. We all have the same 24 hours. Some of us get a lot more done in 24 hours than other people do. And some of us get a lot different types of things done in 24 hours than other people do. When I am truly devoted and worshiping God through my life, I make time for kingdom stuff. What is kingdom stuff? I'm glad you asked me that question. (laughs) Kingdom stuff is, is sharing the gospel with somebody. Kingdom stuff is, is taking a simple little business card from here and saying to somebody, you've got to come see what's happening. What, you've got to see what God has done in my life. And some of you are doing that. You've got to see what, what God is, how awesome God is. Kingdom stuff is attending a small group. Kingdom stuff is hosting a small group. Leading a small group. Kingdom stuff is, is, is smiling at the door at somebody. Kingdom, kingdom stuff is, is, is helping clean or helping landscape or, or worship team or making sure the light bulbs are not burned out. That's all kingdom stuff. When we're truly worshiping God, we look for ways where we can be a benefit to the kingdom of God. And we, we ask and we, and we look and, and we complete growth track and, and we find our, our place. And we serve there with everything we've got. That's what kingdom stuff is. When we're truly worship, worshiping God, we are privileged. Privileged to be able to financially support our church. I heard a story this morning that blew my mind. I'm looking around. Not here. Okay. I'm good. So this person had... Heard a story when we were doing the, the uh, Follow the Leader series. I told a story about somebody in our church that had, you might remember, had just a little bit of money and had a choice, pay, give, her, give the tithing or not. And what happened after that in the next 48 hours, that more than what was given was given back. And it was a person that just great sacrifice. But God was faithful in that instance. And this person was here that day and, and hadn't been doing anything. And, and something clicked. Right then. 
And this person could not afford to do based on the current financial landscape of their life. Could really did not make sense to do this. Anybody ever been there? Didn't make sense to do this. But they heard the word of God, heard the story how God was faithful, and God is always faithful. And it's probably not safe for me to say the word they used, but they said, just forget it. I'm going to do this. And they started doing this. And within just a few weeks, event after event after event, debt was canceled, extra money came, boom, 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 boom. And before you know it, there is a several hundred dollar a month surplus that wasn't there before. Because a decision was made and this person decided, I'm going to do this. And the, the, the statement from this person was, the tithing thing is now settled with me. It's done. It's a no-brainer. It's happening. When we worship God and we give ourselves to him and we submit our life to him, even when it doesn't make fiscal sense, that is the only place in Scripture where God says, test me and see if I won't put up. The only place recorded. Not about healing, not about relationships, not even about salvation. But that, God says, test me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. When I worship God, it is a privilege of mine to give back to him financially with what he's blessed me with. The most exciting offering experience I've ever seen in my life was at Jesus' house in D.C. And if you don't know, it's an African church. And we went there, and, and it was time for the offering, and there was probably... I don't know, 1,500 people in this room, and most, 90% of them were Africans of different, different nationalities. And, and this guy came up, and he said, okay, it's, it's time to do this. And they played music, and, man, people danced to the front. I'm like, what is going on? Everybody in the room came to the front and gave something to God. They were so excited. True worship. Given Lives given to God, and they were giving back to him because he had blessed them. True worship. When we worship God, time with God doesn't get squeezed out. How many's ever had somebody come to your house, it's almost church time, and you're like, I'll just stay here and visit? It's, all, it's happened to all of us. Don't feel condemned. What if, what if our God time was so important? What if gathering together was so important? What if our, our devotion time was so important that, that company or TV shows or books or chores or anything else could not squeeze it out? True worship, it's, it's a priority. True worship gets our priorities right. Number two, worship helps us live straight and clean. There's a song that I love. It's a gospel song sung by a big old choir, and it said, Won't he make you clean inside? It's a good song. You should look it up on YouTube. It's a fun song. True worship helps, helps us get our lives straight and clean. 2 Corinthians 7 says, Therefore, since we have these promises, talking about promises, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence. That's a synonym for worship. Out of worship for God. 
Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. That could be, a, in 2017, man, that could be a long list. Let's start with contaminating our body. What, what, <laughs> I'm not going to get too deep into this. But let's purify ourselves from things that contaminate our body. What do we have in 2017 that contaminates our body? Let's get away from the obvious things. Because we all have a list of a few things we can all name, right? And they're typically substances. We know. We get that. We know we shouldn't, you know, the alcohol, the drugs, the, the cigarettes, all that's bad. It's going to kill you. That's just how it is. We know that. But what about some other stuff? How about excessive sugar? How about excessive caffeine? High schooler died a few weeks ago from drinking a Mountain Dew, a latte, and a Red Bull in two hours. 17 years old, dead. Dead. We, we put, I, I'm, I'm not going to harp on this, this is a small group study. But there are so many things. We think because we don't smoke, drink, or use drugs that we're good. And that's not the case. There are so many things that we put in, that we ingest in our body that kill us. Alcoholism is not the number one killer of people. Drugs are not the number one killer of people. Cigarettes aren't even the number one killer of people. You know what it is? Heart disease. What causes heart disease? Eating and smoking. But that's just where we are. There are so many preservatives and things that we ingest in our body that are bad for us. And I'm a chief offender in this category. So I'm like Paul. I'm the chief, I'm the chief sinner among the sinners right now. So don't throw stones. Let's identify together. Let's commiserate right now. Because the sugars, the high fructose corn syrup, the caffeine, the, the, all the stuff, the levels of fat that are... You can get deep fried macaroni and cheese. There is no place on a planet where that is good for you. But doesn't this scripture reflect purifying ourselves from what we ingest? It says from our body. Scripture also says, know ye not that your body is the temple of God. Now let me tell you what right now, from this moment, what's done is done. There are some things you just can't undo. You just can't undo some things. But you can make a decision right now that you're going to give your life to Jesus and you're going to worship him in this way. And you may not be able to cut out everything that's bad for you. But if we live our life, like my body is the temple of God Almighty. There are certain things I won't do to it. There are certain things that won't go in it. There are certain things that won't go on it. I really want to meddle right now, but I just don't, I can't. I know I'm very plain, direct, and real, but... If my body is a temple of God, how am I treating God's temple? 
Am I treating his temple with reverence? Am I, am, I, am I making it a holy place? Am I respecting God's place where he lives? Worship helps us get our lives straight and helps us live a clean life. So let's purify ourselves from everything that contaminates our body. Whatever that means to you, however that affects you, if it's, if it's your midnight snack. I used to eat cereal at 10 o'clock at night. That's like balls of sugar. Or cheesesteak subs at, from Pizza John's, man, at like 8, 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> that stuff. I'm not saying never eat at Pizza John's. I will go back to Pizza John's. But we have to be smart about how we're treating our body because it's the temple of God. And let's, let's look at spirit for a minute. I'm going to have to start hurrying. But let's purify ourselves, from everything that, purify ourselves from everything that contaminates our body and our spirit. What contaminates our spirit? The eyes, the window to the soul. What are you looking at? What's your browser history search look like? Spiritual transactions happening by what you look at because your eyes are the window to your soul. Who are you listening to? Is, is what is in your car fit to listen to? There are times, I'll be honest, we're riding down the road and my kids put a station on. I'm like, we are not. And it, like two or three minutes go by. And finally, I will, I will pay attention to what's going on. <laughs> and suddenly, I feel like my mom. Because we'd be riding down the road and I would have... Like Van Halen, you know, run with the devil on something like that, and she would not be paying attention. And and finally, she would hear what I said. Oh my God, Scott, what do you got on? And she would slap the radio, and whatever came on came on, just not that. But we're riding down the road. It's been a couple months ago, and and there's a new guy singing. I don't even know his name. Sounds just like Michael Jackson to me. I don't know who it is. And we're riding around. I'm like, man, this guy's this guy's awesome. His voice is great. I'm like, Taylor, this guy sounds great. She's like, I know, Daddy. So I started listening to it. I'm like, oh, we can't listen to this. I'm like, baby girl, what are you listening to? Daddy, I just changed the words. And she did have alternative words for the bad ones. I said, that's not the point, sweetie. I said, you, when you hear it, because she's like her mama, when she hears a song one time, it's in the hard drive, and she can immediately, she knows the words. Once you hear that, it's in there. Once you see that, it's, you can't unsee stuff, and you can't unhear stuff. So the media that you're watching, let's, puri- let's purify our, our bodies and our spirits. Let's get real for a minute. What you're looking at, what you're searching, the sites you're visiting, the movies you watch, the books you read, the music you listen to, the gossip you listen to, it would do some of you good to cut some people out of your lives. It can't get any more real than that. Because if the people talking in your ears aren't saying what's good... What's the, what's the Bible say about the things we should think on? 
If it's good, if it's got a good report, if there be any praise, think on these things. If somebody's filling your head full of negative thoughts about somebody else, you're making a choice. Not a good one. And your spirit is being tainted by negative that somebody is putting in there. I hadn't intended on spending this much time here. But if we're going to purify our bodies and our spirits, we, we don't just have to watch about what we're doing as far as the alcohol, the drugs, the, the cigarettes, the, the food, the sugar, the caffeine, all that stuff. We, we don't just have to watch that because we're trying to present our bodies holy and acceptable to God. If we're, if we're filling our spirit full of junk... By what we listen to, by what we watch, and by what we see, by what we read, and about the music we're listening to, and, and the, the, just the vile talk that we're listening to. We're contaminating our spirit. And we're doing this out of worship for God. We're purifying ourselves. When we worship, we're new creatures. I'll move on because some of y'all are hating me right now. When we worship, we're new creatures. Habits change. When we are in Christ, all things become new. Is it a a switch that's flipped? No, it's not. It's not a switch that's flipped. It's a progressive walk with, with Jesus that as he shines light in your path, you walk in it. And he adds things to you. He takes things from you. And he makes you a better person. And you live abundant life. We're new creatures in Christ. Our habits change. Our desires change. Our vocabulary should change. It's simple. If we live... Through the lens of living for God. He's always. Everybody say always. always. He is always with us. All, we are the temple of God. And if he's always with me, he sees everything I do. He hears everything I say. And he knows what's in my heart before I even do it. I am the temple of God. By default, if I live life through that lens, I change. I clean up. As we become more like Jesus, we become better. Number three, worship brings us the comfort of God. Second Corinthians 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. And this is how everything happens. This is how God designed everything to happen is that when we receive from God, we give it to somebody else. When we receive comfort, we give it to somebody else. When God heals us from something, we help somebody else be healed. We don't heal somebody. We help them through the process of healing. When, when we're damaged and hurt and God heals us from that, we help somebody else going through the same exact thing. What God has done for us, he's done so we can help somebody else do it. So when we receive comfort from God, we give somebody else the same comfort that we receive from God. It's scripture. And some of you know what I'm talking about. You lose a job. Somebody dies. Someone gets sick. Something bad happens. We get the feelings. We still do. You will always get the feelings because we're human. Jesus did. He got mad and turned tables over. He got sad and cried. We can have our emotions, but he gives us comfort. When he sent the comforter, he gives us comfort. We're emotional beings, and we're going to feel those feelings, but it's different. We, we, we feel them, but at, at the bedrock of who we are, we know everything is going to be all right. We know it. We feel it in our spirit. We, but why? Because we know we have, we have, he has a plan for me, and I'm part of it. And yea, though I walk the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. 
your rod and your staff, they give me comfort. So worship brings us the comfort of God. Number four, worship brings peace of mind. Isaiah 26, you will keep in perfect peace those who minds, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When our minds are steadfastly on God, that's when the peace of mind comes. Everything you are and everything you will ever be flows through your mind. As we think in our heart, so we are. Scripture. Everything you are or will be flows through your mind, and he will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are steadfast because we trust in him. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every, they're absolutes. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means that the peace you will experience just simply doesn't make sense, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious. Don't stress. I'm a, a bit of a stressor. I'll be honest. Because I have to have a plan, because I have to fix everything. It is. I'm a stressor. I've been anxious before, it's not fun. Don't be that way. <laughs> Easier said than done sometimes, right? Because life continues on. People get sick. People die. Sometimes there's not money. Sometimes you lose jobs. Sometimes your car breaks down so much you can't afford to fix it. All those things happen, and, and we stress, and we get anxious. But Scripture says, don't be anxious about anything. Pray. You may not see the answer yet. I'm talking to myself right now. You may not see the answer yet, but it will come when it's time. Oh. See, I just want the answers now. I just want them now because I like to have things laid out. I'm not like my wife in the fact that she likes everything written out. She not only likes a plan, it's got to be in bullet point and outline form. Me, I just want a good plan that I know things are laid out and it's going to happen. But some, God just sometimes doesn't. Sometimes he blesses me that way and he lets my mind rest. But sometimes he just doesn't. And sometimes it's a last minute thing. Maybe he's testing my trust. I don't know. But don't stress. Because when it's time, the answer will come. If I'm following God's plan for my life, things will happen when they need to happen. And don't think I'm just saying that and not living it. There's like 10 areas of my life right now where that's right where I am. It's right where I am and where I live. It's the comfort we have when we worship God when I've given myself to him. Number five, worship empowers us. When I give my life to him, he empowers me. Philippians 4 again says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. 
And some of, all of us today can sit here and say, I know what it's like to have a lot. I know what it's like to not have anything. But what I know, hopefully at the, at the end of the day, you can, you can live, verse 13, knowing and being empowered that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Wherever I am, I've learned to be content. That's not always the case. I'll just be honest. Many times I am not content, but God is helping me and understanding the process of what has to happen and how things do happen. Because I can do all things, even wait. That's not scripture. I can do all things in scripture. I'm saying I, even I can wait on what God is going to do in my life. Why? Because he empowers me with the spirit. My submission to him, my worship to him empowers me to overcome adversity. And here's the deal. And this is, I want you to get this in your, in your gut today. I will win. Some of you don't have that yet. I will win. Everybody say that. I will win. I may not be the wealthiest. I may not be the most in shape or the best looking or the smartest or the brightest bulb in the chandelier. But I know without any doubt that I will win. Why? Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, this is, this is about more than just coming to church and feeling better. It's more than church membership. Right? It's about way more than religion. This is about my relationship with God. I'm going to say something I haven't said for a while. But coming to church won't save you. It won't. If you come to this church for 25, 35, 45, 50, 60 years, just coming to this church will not save you. It may make you feel better. It may make you, it may make you feel like you're doing a good thing. But coming to church will not save you. Having religion offering sacrifice by what you do, trying to do enough to get to heaven, that's not going to save you either. Submitting yourself to God, true worship. Having relationship with Jesus Christ, true worship. That's what saves you. Do you need to come to church? You absolutely do. You do. Do you need to, to be a great person? Yes, you do. But guess what? Those things are byproducts. They're the effects of my life being submitted to God. Don't get it the other way around and mess it up because it's not going to work for you. Submitting my life to God is true worship, and that's the ultimate effect on my life. That's what brings life change. And let me tell you something. In 2017, we need life change. We need life change. If you've been coming to church for a long time, your life hasn't changed, you're not doing something right. Maybe you haven't completely given yourself to God. Maybe you haven't let him have complete 
control or, or reign or influence in your life. Maybe, maybe that's what you, your, your next step is to say, God, I, I need to experience abundant life. I need to experience life change. Help me do that. Maybe that's your next thing to do. I don't know. But if you have been around for a while and haven't experienced life change, come talk to me. We'll work through it. If you're not better off than you were before you started this journey, what are you doing? Jesus was very clear about his goals for us. He said, I came so you could have life and have it more abundantly. It's time for you to get yours. It's time for you to get yours, and it's time for me to get mine. I've said before, I want every single thing that God has for me. I don't, I don't want to leave anything on the table. Nothing. Everything that we can do can be measured. Everything that we can do is relative. It's Newton's law. It's his third law of physics. If I hit the ball this hard with this bat, it's going this far. We can measure everything, and Newton had it right. It's accurate. But God isn't bound to our laws. When we do our part, he does his, and it blows ours away. When we do our part, then he shows up and does his, and it blows ours away. We may do this, but God does this. Whatever we do, what he does is greater. God isn't bound to our laws, and we can't measure or quantify what he brings to the table. Can you measure peace? Really? Can you measure peace? You can't measure, but when you don't have it at 2 o'clock in the morning, you sure wish you did. When you're awake and you're sweating and your heart's hammering out of your chest and you're having anxiety attacks and you, you don't feel well and you're worried and stressed about, about the bills, about the kids, about your marriage, about all this stuff, and you don't have peace, you can't measure peace, but you sure wish you had it. Can't measure that. Can you measure empowerment knowing that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength? And at the end of the day, no matter what comes against me, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And that I'm going to win. Can you measure that? Can you measure that confidence that when you walk down the road, you know that God's got you? Can you measure or quantify eternal security? Try that one on. Try putting a value on that. Knowing that if my life is given to him, if I have given my life to him, he's empowered me with spirit. Good, y'all.